Welcome to the Car Trade Revisited, the podcast series where we talk about the industry we all love and have running in our blood. I'm Gordon McLeish. I've spent over five decades in the car trade. In the coming weeks, I'll try to inform, entertain and hopefully remind you of the things you forgot. Things that make us all caries. So join me on my journey. Sydney. Great weather, great beaches. I fell in love with the place. But when my dad got another bloody transfer, we're off back to Melbourne. All this meant another change of jobs for me. But this time I had a specialist dealership or car dealership accounting skills. And to be honest, I'd grown to like the characters who worked in and around the car dealership. After a short stint in the accounts department at Atlas Auto Auctions up in the Bickett Street in Melbourne, a car dealership job appeared in the Melbourne papers. It was at Bill Patterson Motors in Holden, way out in the suburbs on the fringes of Melbourne, in fact, a place no one had heard of back then, called Ringwood. I can still remember the advert, trainee accountant wanted, must have dealership experience. Hmm, I thought that sounds a bit like me. After phoning the next morning and securing an interview, I took a tram down to the Southern Cross Hotel complex where I visited Chester's menswear store. Then I went off to the very trendy Peter Jackson store where I bought a new dark blue pinstripe suit, new shirt, corporate style tie and black shoes. Well, they weren't really shoes, they were Mersey boots actually. And I reckon I looked a million dollars. So I headed out the next day to Ringwood on my trusty, or in my trusty, 1958 yellow Holden FC sedan. Ringwood gained formal recognition as part of the broader metropolitan region emphasised in 1967 by the building of the very extra modern Eastland Shopping Centre. Sadly, the little rural town that Ringwood was back then um, disappeared into suburbia. The last apple orchards in Ringwood fell to residential subdivisions around 1990. It was to be a turning point for me in my future in the automotive industry. As I drove down the steep hill descending into Ringwood, I could see a Holden sign in the corner of New Street and Marinda Highway. There was a huge gum tree standing out the front, right on the road's edge, in front of the showroom. As was common in many of the country towns back then, the Maroondah Highway was just a strip of tar. It was down the middle of the road. It only just allowed cars to pass each other in opposite directions, and the remaining part was just a sort of form of gravel that got graded regularly by a caterpillar tra- grader. The showroom looked like it was next to an army base as there were paddocks full of Austin Champfall drives, big NATO British forces military green vehicles, as far as the eye could see. Maybe a hundred plus, but more on that later. I got the job. Well, to be honest, apparently I was the only one to turn up wearing a suit, not a pullover, or slacks and hush puppy shoes. Well, here I was thinking that it was my charm and sophistication that had won the day. We all think that we're in control of our own destinies, but we're really not. Is that which we do well and enjoy doing well a natural gift? Or has that ability to do something that we seem to be good at been hardwired into us by an ancestor? Good question or what? Let me take a moment to explain what I mean. But what's this got to do with selling, you're thinking? Hmm. The trade's full of bean counters. Well, one weekend, to avoid the daily interruptions that occur in a busy dealership office, I decided to come in on a Saturday morning. 
I needed to get some private journal work done and I needed some peace and quiet. It was important work and it was required by my boss, the Chief Accountant, to present to our Managing Director, Bill Patterson, on the following Monday. I worked on the books for several hours and with my head spinning with numbers, decided to have a break for lunch. My office was sort of up on the mezzanine floor and it overlooked the car's showroom. And from my desk, I could see all the shiny new tin on the showroom floor. So off I strolled to have a good look at the new 1966 Holden HR range that all the salespeople were raving about. Way out of my range, but one could dream a little, I thought. It was a busy GM Holden dealership and had more customers than salesmen on Saturdays. I heard someone say, excuse me, can you help me? You tell me how much this car is. Can I get it by next Wednesday? I'm on holidays and getting to see relatives interstate and I need a new car. <sighs> then another customer asked, can you help me? I need someone to help me. Can, can you help me? What, what colour does this come in and can you give me some pricing? It was a halcyon days of selling back then. Japanese cars hadn't made an impact yet and there were only really two big brands, GM, Holden and Ford. Being polite as my parents had taught me to be just didn't seem to be working. No amount of saying, uh, I'm just the accountant here or I'll, I'll try and find someone for you was cutting it. I knew the prices and the availability of stock, of course I did, as that was part of my accounting job. But selling, selling, I'd never thought myself capable of selling anything. Oh well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Suddenly I heard someone say, um, let's see if I can assist you. To my surprise, that someone was me. After completing the necessary paperwork and arranging the receipts for their deposits, I'd said goodbye and promised that their cars would be ready on time. I then sat down and made myself a cup of tea in the staff canteen. I took a deep breath and thought, wow, that was a bit different. That really felt different. On Monday morning, I presented my finished accounting paperwork to the chief accountant and then wandered into the new car manager, Ian Ridley's office, with the retail sales orders in hand. He was flabbergasted to say the least. Full retail, no discount, cars off the showroom floor. Good work, young Gordon. You know what? He rewarded me wonderfully by arranging two $20 staff spotters fee checks. I was on $48 a week back then and my dad was on around 85 I took home more money that week than anyone else I knew. On that Saturday in 1966, my sales journey had begun. A pilot light had ignited a flame. The stifling and sometimes smothering grey drab blanket called accounting had been removed. A wondrous thing called selling had exploded into a full and roaring fire inside me. Believe me, every weekend there I was lurking in the shadows, looking for unattended customers. It was like listening to the Jaws movie. Boom, 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 boom. One or two every weekend, bring on those spotters fees. And I was just loving it. But the feeling of euphoria was soon cut short. I was asked to report to the boardroom. And fearing the worst, I tidied up my desk and slowly walked across the mezzanine walkway and knocked on the door. You know what, to my surprise, I hadn't made a mistake at all with any of the ledgers or journals. I was being offered a sales cadet's job and a company car that I could use when seeing customers at night, they said. A car salesman, a car salesman. I remember my mum shrieking when I told her about my new position. A car salesman, oh my God, why? What happened? 
I wonder if my old mum would have uh, been as animated if I'd said, oh, I'm going to be a bank robber or a professional hitman or even a Collingwood supporter. But, oh, my God, a car salesman garden. That was worse. That was just much worse in her mind. I remember years later when in conversation with my younger brother, Alistair, my mum came across the room and interjected and said, don't you mind what he's saying, Alistair. Remember, he's a car salesman. He'll tell you anything. Uh, Thanks, Mum. That year was also an important year for Australia as well. A lot was happening in 66. Australia was being dragged into the Vietnam War and many other events would mould us and me into different people. The Beaumont children were abducted during that visit to Glenelg Beach in Adelaide and were never seen again. On the 14th of February, decimalisation of the Australian currency and the Australian dollar replaced the Australian pound. The first National Service conscripts flew out of Richmond RAF base in Sydney, bound for Vietnam. And General Motors became the first local car manufacturer to install seatbelts as standard equipment in all their new vehicles. And Victoria extended the hotel trading hours from 6pm to 10pm. That that ended the infamous 6 o'clock swill. And driving with blood alcohol level of 05 became a criminal offence. 1966 was a tumultuous year. It was also the year that back in Sydney and before we left to return to Melbourne, I met the woman I was to spend the better part of my life with. My family history was making impacts on me that I wasn't aware of. I later discovered that my family history was a colourful tapestry of mystery and intrigue. How some of my early relatives had overcome hardships and had pulled themselves up and away from hunger and poverty by selling things. It's a wonderful and powerful story at times about selling yourself and your products. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review or subscribe to or follow the podcast on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Gordon McLeish, and thank you for listening. <laughs>